to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All-Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program as we rock on through training camp. Day off today, but they'll be back on tomorrow. We'll be back on the field at the Houston Methodist Training Center. 8 a.m. sharp. Sean and Seth are going to be there from 6 to 8. 8 a.m., we'll have Greg Grissom on, the president of your Texans, right out of the gate in the program, and plus plenty of other stuff, including our guest tonight, because it's Thursday, and this is what we do on Thursday. John McClain, good evening, General. How's it going? It's going great, as always. How are you guys? Great. Uh, it's wonderful to follow the league this time of year, General. There are so many stories. I love following even the little things from other camps that often don't get picked up or don't get talked about on the national scale because maybe it's not the proper amount of clickbait. But I do like following these stories, and we will talk about Texans opponents tonight and a little bit more about the AFC South. And, gee, it's like we never talk anymore, John, even (laughs) though we're on the air every day this time of year. And it's a wonderful thing because that means games are approaching. Cannot wait for that. But, General, obviously a big story today that the NFL is going to appeal this suspension that was handed down by Judge Sue L. Robinson. Your thoughts on where it's headed as I know we have somebody appointed to hear the appeal or at least take it into consideration because there is no hearing. I don't hear general. Do I hear John Harris? Yes, I am here. I hear you, the... Mark. I don't. Uh, we had the general there for a second because he was very happy to join us for the I'm second back. Time. There he yes. is. He's back. Announcing He's back. his presence with authority. Exactly. Sorry about that. Okay. So, you don't what was the question you were asking when I got cut? Uh, suspension, uh, appeal, your thoughts, and the fact that somebody's been appointed to take it into consideration and make a ruling. Do you ever mention the name Deshaun Watson? <laughs> no, I, I, I try not to. I can't he remember the last. Not be named. It's like you used to say that about Andrew Luck. You wouldn't mention Andrew Luck's name. Uh, for different reasons, Only when of I was course. encouraging him to retire, and he eventually <laughs> did. So he did. He listened to you, and he did retire. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Peter Harvey, the former attorney general from uh, New Jersey, who uh, has worked with the NFL before, he's going to uh, oversee the appeal, and everybody assumes that he will make it much more significant. The league wanted a season and an indefinite, at least a year, and and also an $8 million fine, and so uh, they could still negotiate a settlement. I could see them saying 12 games and a fine because if not, they're going to go to federal court, and that's going to take a long time before the federal court court system finally says, hey, you negotiated a collective bargaining agreement. you got to stick with the collective bargaining agreement, and then whenever that was done, he'd be suspended. So I was... I was hearing today that if it is indeed increased by more, which it will, that the Browns will make a run at Jimmy Garoppolo. General, I can't remember if we talked about this or not today, but Albert Breer and Charles Robinson both opined that 
they felt like the league does not want him at all to play against Houston in week 13. So that would be a 12. The Texans are the 12th game. Uh, that's the 12th game of the Texas schedule, the 12th game for the Browns. Have you heard that, and do you buy that? No, I don't. I've not heard it, and I don't buy it because why not? Why would they give a ranch, you know what, if he played against the Texans or anybody else? The fact is it's games. It's not opponents. And he very well could miss the game here if it's 12. And personally, I hope it's 11. But, uh, no, I don't see the league differentiating and picking. I mean, what's what would be behind that? Maybe it's yeah. true, but I just don't see any reasoning. John, here we have the Hall of Fame game tonight. That's on these very airwaves right after we are done. So that's going to be very cool to hear some football as you'll have the Raiders getting it on with the Jaguars tonight. But this makes it four preseason games for each of these teams. Obviously, we've gone down to three as a league. General, how long does it take to get to 18 games if we ever get there? Will that happen, and when will it happen? Absolutely, it will. It'll happen when TV wants it because TV dictates everything because more games means more money for the owners, and we know the owners definitely need more money. And it, But the trickle-down effect, that it affects the players as well. And so it's coming. You know, the unbalanced schedule is not one anyone likes. For a while, they thought about going up to two. I remember when they went, you know, they put from 12 to 14 to 16. I remember when they went to 16, it was not as big a deal because you didn't have social media today. And so people didn't think any about it. But there's a lot of howling about the records, the unfairness. It's outrageous that all those records compiled by the greatest of the great are just going to be shoved into the background. And they were and they will be. General, we were talking about the Browns earlier and whether Deshaun plays six, five, ten, who knows how many games he's going to end up playing. But as you look at that division, it's the one uh, Texans don't play that division. They do play Cleveland from that division, but they don't play anybody else. They'll play the AFC North next year. But in that division, all things considered, everybody's staying healthy. How do you look at that division with the Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, and Browns? The Ravens, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy and they don't lose three running backs again as they did last year, considering they got a great head coach, I would think they're right there as a favorite. Bengals coming off a Super Bowl loss, but as we know, Super Bowl teams don't generally, Super Bowl teams that lose don't generally go back to the Super Bowl unless you were with New England with Tom Brady. And so I'm not saying they won't win the division because they certainly have the talent but they shocked the heck out of everybody last year. And then Cleveland's got talent on both sides of the ball. And it doesn't matter if Watson's there or not. They're going to run, run, and run some more because they have to because of the location of the stadium. So I think if whether it's Brissette or it's uh, Joshua Dobbs or Jimmy G, they're going to tell them just don't lose the game because their defense is good. Their pass rush is good. But they're built to win now. They've got four of their top players whose contracts are expiring after this season, so they were all in on this season. And uh, it's, to me, a three-team race. A lot of people are saying don't count out the Steelers, and I'm saying, okay, let's see. Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Kenny Pickett, a rookie. I just don't see the Steelers winning the division. 
Maybe not, but I can see them being being a very tough out and spoiling a lot of plans, right? Even an oh, eight yeah, nine sure. finish for them, which would be highly unusual. We all know that they've had monumental success. What, no sub-500 since, what, 03? That's incredible stuff right there. Uh, remember, 02 is Big Ben got in the next year, three. remember. He came yep. in in 04. Yeah, he did. They went, hmm. And he's gone. Yeah. Yep, fifteen and one. They went with him, right? And then uh, they actually they started the with touchdown year. Tommy Maddox, and he got hurt, and Ben had to go in. And I think they were like, ten, they they had a Roethlisberger lost. I don't know that he lost a game as a rookie, but he didn't start the whole season. But boy, you talk about like Dan Marino; those guys were so lucky to be bypassed. And they were devastated that they were, but they got to go. Got to go to really good teams, and the difference is Roethlisberger has two Super Bowl rings. Boy, when John brought up playing the AFC North next year, I thought already it yeah. just feels like ten minutes ago the Texans faced off against the AFC North, and they'll go to Baltimore and to Cincinnati next year. The Steelers will be at NRG Stadium. Next year, that is going to be cool. And, look, I don't care what the record is. That's fun to have them in town. Looking forward to that one. They beat them in 2011. Well, you mentioned the Garoppolo thing as a possibility. That Does that have some real legs to it? And do they have to make the deal? Or are they going to just cut them eventually, General? Are they? How does this all work with Garoppolo? Because you get the feeling that if there's no market, they have to go ahead and pull the trigger at some point. And I don't think they want to trade him to Seattle within the division. The Browns, you know, if you think they've stockpiled all his talent on both sides of the ball and they believe they're a Super Bowl contender, and and then to play 10 or more games without their quarterback and go with Jacoby Brissett, I could see them going after Garoppolo and getting a conditional pick based on how much he plays or how much they accomplish because he would certainly – be better than Brissette and Joshua Dobbs. General, if I gave you 300 bucks, I always love to ask you this question. I'll take it anytime, John. I know, but I'm telling you, you have to spend it. Like Brewster's Millions, but it's uh, Harris 300 bucks. And you have to go to Vegas, <laughs> and you get 100 bucks for three teams. Three teams uh-huh. to win the Super Bowl. The three teams you are most confident in to win the Super Bowl. Now, they might not be teams one, two, and three in your power rankings to start the year, but your three teams you're most confident would go and win the Super Bowl, and you put 100 on each team. What three teams are they and why? That's a great Ooh, boy, I feel like Mattress Mac. I thought you were going to say take three teams that didn't have good odds to win the Super Bowl like some of the other ones. No, I don't want but to based on, But based on what you said, John, I – I look at quarterback and I look at a head coach. And uh, so I will, if you think of what the Chiefs accomplished, and I don't care that they lost Tyreek Hill, I think great quarterbacks make great receivers. So I would take Kansas City as one, would not take the Packers, even though they may end up with home field advantage like they seem to do every year, and they haven't been since 2010. I don't care that the Bucs have lost their interior offensive line I would put one on Brady, probably is three. And then one in the middle, uh, I'm not going with the Rams just because the Super Bowl champions don't repeat. And uh, I just I just, I just, just can't do it. So 
My third one is going to be, let me think a minute, Buffalo, just because everybody seems to think the Bills. So I'd say Kansas City, Buffalo, and Tampa Bay. I got mine, Johnny. I got okay. mine. I'll go, go ahead. Green, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Buffalo. Okay. What are yours, John? Um, I'm going with the Lions, the Jets, and the <laughs> who would be the last team I would take. We're not talking the about Giants. the number one pick. We're not oh. talking about the number one pick. Well, I mean, look, yeah. there's, value, there's value in those three teams, man. The Jets, the Giants, well, and the Lions. I mean, look, I'm talking about is, odds. I know, I know. But I know it sounds crazy, and we'll learn a little bit more about them on Tuesday. But I'm I, I'm more bullish on the Lions, not winning the Super Bowl. I'm, I mean, I think to win a Super Bowl, I, I would go definitely Bills for sure. I think the Bucks will be in that mix because I think the NFC South, they won't even really have to try through 17 games and they'll win the division just be ready for the playoffs. And, of course, you trust Brady. And I think there will be some wild card in there. Uh, I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens. Because I believe in Lamar taking no strides, and I think that Lamar is that difficult to prepare for. If he's healthy for this season, I think Lamar gets tough to stop. So, but I do. I'm bullish on the Lions, and and I know that you know Aiden Hutchinson added to what they've done on the offensive line. And look, I know it's Jared Goff, uh, but you know I think Dan Campbell's enthusiasm rubs off. I think Brad Holmes has done a really good job. I think the Lions are sort of similar to the Texans. Maybe they're a year away, but maybe they surprised some people this year. They played really well last year at times, and they played hard at all times for Dan Campbell. I am bullish on the Lions to be a crazy, crazy dark horse, wild card playoff contender. I know I'm nuts, but that's what I'm rolling. Wow, you're nuts. Yes, Dan Campbell lost some games last year with bad uh, game management decisions. And yes, everybody loves him. He's enthusiastic. He's an Aggie, but I'm not going to pick him till he shows me he can go through the season without making those mistakes. And for people who complain about the Texans who've had two bad seasons in a row, the lions have not won a playoff game since the fifties. And I'm hoping that former (laughs) lions coach, Buddy Parker, is the NFL Hall of Fame uh, a coach committee's nominee to be nominated? Because you think, if you, what two words do you never put together? Lions and championship. And he won two in the 50s. And if you win two with the Lions, by God, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. That's unbelievable. Well, all right, look, I understand it's been a long time for them. And you're right about the Texans. I mean, the back-to-back losing seasons are the first time that's occurred in 15 years for this particular franchise. Let me get to this for a moment. Uh, I want to get into a sidebar little featurey question that Landry Locker asked us this morning. And I bring this up because I saw that they're actually going to remake Roadhouse or reboot it or whatever with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes in the Patrick Swayze Dalton role, which is just ridiculous. But, and I bring it up because Roadhouse is one of the greatest bad movies ever. It's a terrific bad movie. Landry said, what is the best bad sports movie or your favorite bad sports movie? A movie that's considered bad by a lot, but you still love it, and it's a sports movie. And if it's a football movie, that would even give you more credit here. 
Boy, I would say one of the ones I've been in, but those were not bad. They were great. Um, <laughs> I'll say, actually, I'll say I was in one, and I've watched it a million times, the remake of The Longest Yard with oh, all so these good. famous actors in there. And, of course, it, it was fun to be a part of, and it's on a lot, and I get residual checks for it. But if, it, if mm. you think about it, it was Adam Sandler as the star. It was a roster mm. of, of good Character actors, a lot of good athletes, led by Michael Irvin. So I think the Longest Yard remake is my good, my best bad movie. I, I don't love think it's that, bad though. Yeah, when the Longest Yard comes on, General, I always watch it. I I love mm-hmm. I I love the original. Of course, when Burt Reynolds uh, decides to throw at Ray Nitschke's uh, Nether Regions, I always laugh, even though Ray Nitschke was, I think, maybe the first professional athlete I ever met. But I love that. I, the, the second one was great. And then I see you, and I'm like, hey, there's a general. So I always get a kick out of, out of that one. Mark, I thought of another one, though. I thought of another okay. one. And every time it comes on, I watch it. And it is the epitome of bad sports movie. But when it comes on, I watch it. And that's semi-pro with Woody Harrelson and Will Ferrell. I always, always watch it. That is the epitome of bad sports movie. And when it's on, no matter what, I'm watching it. What about Happy Gilmore? That is not a bad movie. I think that's I think a terrific comedy. Yeah. yeah. I, I Julie, can't call that a bad sports movie. And Julie Bowen went to Brown, so I'm I'm partial to her for that and that alone. <laughs> and she's in Modern Family, which I, it still freaks me out a little bit because when I see Happy Gilmore, I'm like, that's her from Modern <laughs> Family, but it doesn't really look like her. But she looks great in both entities. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, is North Dallas 40 a bad movie or is it a good sports movie? I thought it was a bad movie. You know, Mac Davis was the quarterback and he's about five, eight. <laughs> and, uh, I just thought it was bad when it came out and I think it's bad today. Okay. General, I All saw, right, so Ro- go ahead, John or Mark. I'm John. You're Mark. All right. So I, the roadhouse thing, uh, Dave Damashek from NFL.com. I think he still works there. He tweeted this out. Instead of redoing Roadhouse badly, like they're bound to do, because you cannot redo a Swayze movie with any kind of, uh, it just, you can't do it. You can't do it with any kind of proficiency whatsoever, right? They tried Point Break. No, you're not going to redo Roadhouse because it's the best bad movie ever. He said, do the Wade Garrett story. That's the Sam Elliott character in Roadhouse. Do his backstory and just make it a different movie. And I thought that's a brilliant idea. For Roadhouse fans, they are nodding in agreement right now as opposed to a remake because you can't do Swayze better than Swayze. Absolutely. And it amazes me in that movie with Sam Elliott, one of my all-time favorites. You always think, you know, he's in his 80s now, still going strong. He was only like 45 in Roadhouse, and he looked like he was 75 yep. then and ended up with a that's knife in his gone. chest. And, and that one... That one where the guy where uh, uh, Swayze tears out his throat and he said, I bleep guys like you in prison. And then he gets his throat torn out. And Ben Gazzara was great. That's probably his last movie. That whole thing was so Mm -hmm. schlocky. But, man, I'm like you guys. I've watched it a million times. Okay. Could you redo Ghost? Probably. No. No. No, you could. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. You can redo anything. Yeah. 
But you, I mean, yeah, you could. Ghost is so hokey when they have yes. the um, ghosts or whatever, those goblins or whatever, yes. taking people to the nether region, I guess. That is so over-the-top hokey. But Demi Moore is wonderful. Anyway, got, on a, got off on a little movie tangent. Swayze, a Houstonian, of course, and we love him for that. And so is Dennis Quaid. And speaking of sports movies, he's been in a billion of them. So give him credit for that. His so best one, of course, was the, the rookie. The rookie yeah, was the yeah, best one he ever did. Hey, General, I saw a buddy John's- of mine tweet this today, and I want to ask you about this because it got me thinking. My buddy Raheel tweeted out like five different categories, and the last one he put kind of got my attention. Mark and I were kind of chatting about this a little bit. I don't know if we really got to our answers on this, but what's the best sporting event you've ever gone to, whether you covered it or you were there as a fan, what's the best sporting event that you've ever gone to? Well, the biggest, of course, would be the Super Bowl, but I worked at all of them, so I never uh, considered uh, – anyway, because I was working, and I, didn't, I don't go to a lot of things with big crowds, but the first Final Four I went to, and I, was a, I still am a diehard college basketball fan, I, the excitement, the electricity – and then the other one was in the Astrodome. They had a fight. And I believe it was uh, uh, Nomas. Who was Nomas? Oh, the um, boxer. Roberta Duran. And maybe Hitman Hearns. And the electricity in the oh. dome for that one, when they came out, I had a pass where I could be down behind the scenes. I've never seen anything that people got more excited about like that. So. I, I would love to go to a World Cup match, and I'm planning on doing it when it's here because I've been to about every big soccer match that they've had at NRG Stadium, including the last one, and I love them because of the fans. And I can't imagine. I watch every World Cup match. I, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I like the World Cup. But We went to Italy one time right before the World Cup that Italy won in the anticipation in that country. So that's the one I'd like to do next. John, what's yours? I think the best sporting event that I have been to, probably not that I've covered, was the 93 to John's, the 93 Final Four. Um, that, that whole weekend was unbelievable. It was four Blue Bloods, for the, well, for the most part, depending on how you classify Michigan. But it was Michigan, North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky. And all three games in the Final Four were incredible. And the the second half of the Michigan-North Carolina championship game was unreal. But being at the game, we had no idea why the game was stopping after Weber called the timeout. We had no idea. Like, we just saw the North Carolina bench going nuts. And so we were down low. So we couldn't – we had no idea. We're all looking around, asking each other, what happened? What happened? And then North Carolina was shooting free throws. And so we had no idea. We came back, obviously, and watched it at home and figured it all out. But – that was that game to John's point of Michigan North Carolina. It was Weber uh, and the Fab Five. That was the last game of the Fab Five, and you know uh, North Carolina mm-hmm. Montrose, and Dean Smith, and it was you know Dean winning oh, another wow. title. It was just a second. It was, I mean, it was a, a heck of a basketball game. And the thing was, I always felt bad when you watch a game and a guy's remembered for having a, a goat moment, like a, a bad goat moment, where he you know calls a timeout he didn't have. Weber mm-hmm. dominated the game in the second half. Like, Weber was as good as I've ever seen a basketball player play live. He was unbelievable 
and then calls that timeout, and that's all anybody ever remembers from yep. that game. He was the only reason they were in it at that point. But that's probably my 93 Final Four. I still think people respect the daylights out of Weber as a player in college, and that yeah. is a bad moment, but it's not like he's Bill Buckner. And Buckner was a hell of a baseball player, but that's even worse uh, when you look at what he did, letting the ball go through his legs in yeah. Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. We don't have to get into all that. It's interesting. It's interesting stuff for sure. General, you'll be out on the field tomorrow. We're looking forward to it. Let me ask you one more question about the Texans, Davis Mills is getting a lot of love, a lot of love right now, and it doesn't I, – I always like to compare things to – well, what does it remind me of historically for the Texans? I know Watson's rookie camp was different because he was kind of in a battle with Tom Savage trying to outshine Tom because Tom was the would-be starter, and Tom looked pretty good in practice. He looked really good in practice, as a matter of fact, in practice. But what are your thoughts? Is there anything to compare it to? How are you feeling about that? I would guess it'd be more like David Carr coming into this top pick in franchise history, and people were fired up about that first season and looking for any sign that he was going to be what he was supposed to be, and 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 they wanted to see improvement. You guys know that, and then they want to see improvement with Mills. Fans here are realistic. You know, they're very realistic about expectations for the team and the players. They just want to see improvement in phase two of Nick Casario's rebuild. Cautiously excited, something like that. I mean, I think people should be excited. Of course, it's a one game at a time, one moment at a time kind of thing. General, we look forward to seeing you on the field tomorrow morning. Thank you guys very much. I will see you in the morning. Sounds good. John McClain, the general from the Houston Chronicle, formerly. It's still coming out of my mouth that he's from the Houston Chronicle, John. It's still there. <laughs> it's habit. I can't it's habit. get rid of it. It's been years. So, But I did say formally at the end. Okay, coming up, who's better? We've got AFC South stuff here. It's good. And I might throw in another Swayze thing. Why not? Because it's a the theme of the evening for some reason. It's Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. Academy Sports and Outdoors has you covered with everything you need to have fun out there. From the best sports brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour to all your essentials for backyard cooking and the best gear for hunting, fishing, and enjoying the outdoors, Academy has it all. Order online at academy.com or on the Academy app and pick up in-store or get free shipping on most orders. Make shopping easy with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Free shipping applies to most orders over $25. Online sign-in required. What if your preferred hospital could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Texans Radio. The drive continues. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. So much fun to spend some time talking football, talking some other stuff too, because why not? As we get ready for the 2022 campaign, cannot wait. Johnny, are you ready to play? Ready to play? Who's better? Yes. Let's go. All right. Let's go. All right. How do I word this? 
Okay. Make one of these teams better. Make one of these teams better. So, in other words, I'm going to ask you, right, I'll set this up this way. Who's winning the AFC South, in your opinion, between the Colts and the Titans? Look, I hope the Texans win it. Yeah. But let's pick between these two teams, okay? The Colts and the Titans. Who do you got? Colts. I I think we'll find out a lot about the, well, we'll obviously find a lot about the Colts in Week One, but I think we're going to find a lot about the Colts' uh, mental fortitude after the way last season ended, and how they respond the first four or five games of this year, because they know they know they let one go last year, but did they get all the way down to the bottom of the wart? Did they get is Carson Wentz the wart? Did they get him out, or is there more there? that they have an address and lingers for this year. The Titans, we know Vrabel can pull wins from nowhere. Like, how did they win that game? Um, he's done that since he's been there. Like, how did they win this? I have – how did they beat us in 18 when they don't have a left – they don't have a tackle and they're playing blank Gabbert and they beat us. So, the Titans are always good for one of those. I just think the Colts are that much better, especially with Matt Ryan at quarterback, than the Titans will be with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Okay, so this is a quarterback question. Okay. Are the Titans better with Tannehill? I mean, uh, with uh, Matt Ryan. What if I shipped Matt Ryan over to Tennessee and I put Tannehill on the Colts? I swapped QBs. Who's better now? Oh, boy. Still the Colts? Matt Ryan on the Titans. See, I think Tannehill with the Colts. I'll, I'll throw you another one. I'll throw you another one. I'll give you Trevor Lawrence. You can put him on the Titans. Are they better with Trevor Lawrence? Come on, you said this guy was generational. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're forcing me into an answer here. (laughs) Don't badger the witness. Yes, Trevor Lawrence with the Titans would be nasty. Would be nasty. Now, to that end, okay, so I'll throw one back at you. Okay. Who's got a better receiver core? The Tennessee Titans, Robert Woods, rookie, Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook-Akine, and Anthony Ferkser at tight end. Or the Jags, whose entire receiving core is not playing tonight, with Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, and tight end Evan Ingram alongside Dan Arnold. Which receiver core is better, the one Trevor Lawrence is throwing to, or the one that Ryan Tannehill's thrown to this year. Yeah, that's that's pretty easy. It's the Titans, and we've seen some of the damage done. I know Zay Jones can catch some passes, and I know Kirk's pretty decent as well. But look, Arizona, I I know people don't think they're loaded necessarily, but for a while they were, you know? Yeah. And they yeah. had a, a lot of guys to take the, the attention of the defense, and Kirk made his money and give him credit for that. I still think, you know, he's going to be a guy who could do some damage for the Jaguars. We'll see how it goes. But that's my next question. Okay. Which rookie receiver is better, Traylon Burks or Alec Pierce? Pierce for the Colts, Burks for the Titans. And they thought so highly of him, they were like, well, A.J. Brown, we're not going to pay him anyway, so let's go ahead and trade him and draft this kid and see how it goes. Not that they're putting all of the A.J. Brown production on him, but they would like to see it happen. Well, you and I consume as much content throughout the league as possible. And the Colts building the Texans version is called with the next pick, I think is what it's called. And when Alec Pierce was still on the board in the second round, Ballard was almost dancing in the room. He kept looking at Frank like, Frank, is this going to happen? 
And Frank Reich, the head coach, he's like, are we going to get this guy? Like, I didn't think there was any chance we were going to get this guy. I thought we were going to have to trade up to get this guy. And now he's – so I know the Colts love him, and he is a 6'3", 215-track guy. I mean, he can't go, and he's got almost a 40-inch vertical leap. That said, I was a big Traylon Burks guy. I think if Traylon, Traylon got everything kind of – you know, figured out with his asthma and how he's dealing with that. Sounds like he's kind of got that going in the right direction. I still think it's going to take him a little while to, to kind of get it and get it going. But I think he can be even more dangerous than A.J. Brown. And I was just a big – I was a big fan of Burks. What he's not, he's not a burner. Pierce is a burner. And so that worries me. But it's Matt Ryan throwing the ball. And I don't know if Matt – I mean, Matt Ryan's kind of got a Matt Schaub arm now at this point. Like, it's not – it's not a – I don't want to say it's a wet noodle, but it's not a great arm. And I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of Alec Pierce's athleticism down the field. I still think Tannehill could throw it. I think Tannehill's still got some juice. And I was a big Burks fan, so I'm going to go with Burks over Pierce. But I know the Colts loved, 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 loved the opportunity to get Pierce where they did in the second round. All right, next AFC South question between the Colts and the Titans – Better home field for them. Better atmosphere, home field advantage. Nashville or Indianapolis? Which Indianapolis. is better? Indianapolis. Okay. Tennessee does uh, – I, I, going to Tennessee doesn't scare me in the slightest. Now, some of that – well, not really. I have channeled you and Dre's thoughts – in my mind, all those years of losing to the Colts up in Indianapolis. Since we've been going to Indianapolis, the three of us, lost in 14 but won in 15-16, lost in 17 but won in 18, lost in 19 when well, we lost the last three. Um, but you get the point. Indianapolis is not quite a house of horrors anymore. It's just a place where you got to go. But it's kind of odd up there. It's just weird. I don't know the right uh, the right way of saying it. It's just weird. Um and I, that the fans are, are, I don't know, they're loud, but it's not totally disconcerting. So it's just an odd place to play, and I think the Colts kind of play to that, play that to their advantage. Tennessee, I, it's, I mean, it's just it's another road game. It's not like oh man, we're playing inside of Lucas Oil. No, it's just you know whatever. I mean, I don't even know what the name of the stadium is now. When they go build a new stadium, eh, maybe this one. I don't know. I just it's a it. It looks like Jacksonville Stadium. We they could change all the colors to Jags colors, teal and black, and it'd be like, oh, we're Jacksonville. And I don't think there's any in Tennessee. There's any real advantage. Definitely not an advantage over uh, Indianapolis's at Lucas Oil. Were you living in Jacksonville when the Jags lost to the Titans in the AFC Championship game yes. in '99? Yes, wow. it was brutal. And I know it Seth Payne played in that game. Brutal. Yeah, and it was. Um, it, it, the Titans have beat them twice, and leading up yep. to the game, it's just I think, I think they'd beaten the Dolphins like sixty-two to seven, and it was like mm-hmm. they're they're going to house the Titans. This isn't even going to be close. You don't beat a team three times in a year, and the Titans were like, we don't care. I mean, the Titans had the right personalities on that team to not give a rip about. Well, you're not supposed to beat them three times in a year. They didn't care. I mean, they had Jeff Fisher who was in his coaching groove at that point, and then you had uh, McNair, and, McNair and Eddie George. And then, um, and then they, uh, you know, defensively, I mean, Javon Curse is one of the more underrated great players that's ever come into this league. I saw him at Florida, and I thought, this guy's going to be unbelievable. They moved him from safety 
to outside linebacker to defensive end. He comes into the league and was just dominating, dominating everybody in 99, and he just killed the Jaguars. And the Titans ended up going to the Super Bowl. And I always felt like had the Jags gotten to the Super Bowl, I think they would have had a better opportunity to beat the Rams because the Jags had a better offense. The Titans could have put up any offense in that game until in the late in the second half, and that was just because Came the Rams were gassed. The Jags had Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, and they had Mark Brunel throwing to him. They had Fred Taylor. The Jags would have given the Rams a much tougher tussle because of their offense. They just couldn't beat the Titans. I remember when the Titans were really not doing well a few years ago, and the Jags, of course, not doing well. And I remember telling my kid, breaking the news to him for the first time that the Jags and Titans once met in an AFC championship yeah. game. He yeah. couldn't believe it. But, yes, <laughs> it's true. And the Jags have actually played in three AFC championship games. Ouch. All right, final question here. It's a who's better segment. What's the better bad Swayze movie? Point Break or Roadhouse? Movies we love even though they're not critically acclaimed. Although maybe Point Break got some better reviews. But it's got Keanu, who's not a very good actor, but he's in a lot of good movies. So you know my Achilles heel with movies, right? And that is, there's some of them I haven't seen. I readily admit this. Sean Pendergast gave me grief for years. No. So let's rephrase this question. Which Swayze movie has John not seen? Roadhouse and or Point Break? They would be both of them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh my gosh! Stop the music! I know. Chris. I know. Oh my god! I, I can't deal with this. It's embarrassing. I can't deal with this. Can but here's the thing. Please... Here's yeah. the thing. Our young dudes in our office, you tell them, "Hey, you need to see this movie. It's from the '90s. It's just you oh, got it. Yeah, it's I... party." And they get, you know, they're ambivalent. Like, I'm not seeing that. That's like from the '90s. No we didn't have the internet then. Like, duh, I'm not seeing that movie. <laughs> I will at least say yes. I, I need to see those movies. I will take a day yeah. sometime um, when I'm not watching film, especially not during football season. Maybe on a flight. Maybe on a flight somewhere where you can't be somewhere and you got to be you know in the plane. That's the only place you can be for two and a half hours. And, hey, there's Point Break. Okay, maybe I'll watch it for the first time. Yeah. Don't watch the remake. Look, the original, it's a, it's a better movie than Roadhouse. It probably holds up a lot better as well. Roadhouse does not hold up well, but it's still so much fun. It's so over-the-top, hokey, yeah. and just exaggerated. Anyway, enough of that. I can't believe they're rebooting it with Jake Gyllenhaal. Come on. Okay, okay. You, know, you have all of Hollywood at your disposal. Cast somebody good. Okay, I got, I got one for you, though. So Ooh. that's Jake Gyllenhaal. They're redoing Roadhouse with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay? Right. I ask you, what's worse? Roadhouse remake with Jake Gyllenhaal or White Man Can't Jump remake with Jack Harlow as Woody Harrelson's character? Wait, I'm blanking on Jack Harlow. Should I know Jack Harlow? The singer? I don't know what he is. I guess he's a rapper, singer. Wait a minute. I'm pulling him up. Yeah. No, he can't be that guy. Can't, well, yeah, maybe, I know. You know what? If they dress him up properly, he could. You know, the, the problem with these reboots is you're so familiar with the original actors playing those characters. Yes. It's just it can't possibly be as good. Uh, yeah. But maybe it can be different. You know, they seldom they seldom do a better job the next time. Even Samuel L. Jackson as Shaft 
Richard Roundtree is shaft to me. I'm yes. sorry. It's just the way it is. All right. That's going to do it for that segment. I gave John McClain a Davis Mills question that I'm going to throw your way about the way he's being perceived right now, what the projections are. We'll dig into that and go around the league next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. It's time to amp up the fun. Now during the Ford Summer Supercharged Sales Event. Just move on up. Get great offers on select Ford vehicles. And you'll not only bring back the fun, you'll supercharge it. So stop by the Summer Supercharged Sales Event at your Ford dealer and discover how Ford can take your summer to a whole new level. Not all models, trims, or features may be available. Contact your dealer for information. Just move on up. We return to Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. So Hollywood Brown arrested for driving 126 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. So 126 in a 65. That's it. Look, I've been maybe accused of going a tad rapid on that day in certain areas. Like Green Bay, Wisconsin, where we're yeah. trying to make a show, but that was for a good reason. That was for a good reason. We had to get the show yeah. on the air, officer. We have to go live in three minutes, and I have a seven-minute drive in front of me. Yes. So, how would you like me to handle that? Okay. <laughs> and we made it. For the record, we made it. Yep. That was fun. Uh, John Harris does not want to remember that though, uh, because I know you don't like to drive with me anymore after that little journey. I'm okay so. with it. I'm okay with it. Um, I was handing on, like, two different cell phones and trying to not look at the road because I was looking at the neighborhood that I've been through a million times go by, like, so fast that I was like, <laughs> okay, just look at the phones. Just look at the phones. Just text the people that need to be texted. Don't pay attention. Uh, and then we got there with, like, four minutes to spare. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah, we made it. It was good. Uh, I think Clint was doing the show. I don't know. Yeah. Was Ron with us then? No, I don't think. Yet? No, Ron wasn't with us then. It's 2019. Not okay, yet, 2019. All right, we were at the Packer Hall of Fame, and, uh, man, it's great to be there. And I'm I'm hoping that we get to do another preseason game at Green Bay because that's a lot of fun to go up there, and everybody should visit at some point. I know the Hall of Fame game is tonight. In fact, it's just a few minutes from now on these very airwaves, and the Hall of Fame is terrific. But I think uh, 1B is Green Bay, Wisconsin with Lambeau and the Packer Hall of Fame because that is the history of football. I mean, they're a 100-plus-year-old team. Tied for the oldest team in the league. Actually, the Cardinals are right there with them, but the Cardinals now reside in Phoenix after moving from Chicago to St. Louis, of course. Uh, So there's a little NFL history for you. Johnny, Davis Mills, you've heard of him. We are seeing a lot of positive reviews from the media out there. There's a lot of excitement about him. Look, I think people should get excited, but at the same time, you know, look, we've, we've all seen some things in this league over the years. How do you gauge it? Help me gauge this. You know, McLean brought up David Carr. Well, they were excited about David Carr. Look, David Carr did not look like this in training camp. Did not. Nope. David Carr was interesting, but the offense was different, too, and it was another era. I mean, heck, that was 20 years ago when he first started. And I remember Kubiak's first year. There was a night practice, and Kubiak uh, did some aggressive counseling with David Carr <laughs> in front of the entire crowd <laughs> on a – I forget what it was. It was some kind of audible or not audible. Something He did not do something correctly. Uh, and Kubiak was uh, counseling yeah. him, as they say. So your thoughts on what we're seeing right now? I 
I'm I'm very enthusiastic about it. I want to make sure I, I say that. I don't want to get ahead of myself like, man, you notice Davis has completed eight in a row like he did the other day. Yeah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah. I just want to see him keep stacking days one after the other. Just good practice, good practice, good practice. Gets his confidence up. He's really creating a, uh, a synergy with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, and that keeps up. And I want to see him go through the preseason game um, that experience because – yeah, you might get you might actually get sacked and and tackled and that's always interesting in the preseason or first game that a guy plays in because oh boy that's the first hit this guy's taken because he didn't play in preseason but my guess is Davis will play at least a little bit in the preseason I have just been encouraged mm-hmm. by the entire operation how he's handling himself at the line of scrimmage how he is just taking command I mean I mentioned it the other day in the midst of those eight consecutive passes the second one was one out to Brevin Jordan, and it was a play in which Davis got the line of scrimmage. He killed the play, and he was like, kill, kill. So they essentially they called two plays in the huddle, and they killed the first play, and they were going to the second play, and they had Brevin on the, on the out route, on the flat route, and Davis hit him, completed it, and ended up being a five, six-yard gain. So it's those things, too, that are coming together. And Davis has never been a guy that gets rattled or seemingly rattled. I mean, he's never going to show you if that – I think we saw it last year when he when he was playing early on, like, okay, the Buffalo game in particular. The ball slipped out of his hands. It was like, uh-oh, because you didn't see him find his confidence at all at that point. But he won't show it outwardly. He also won't go the other way. You also won't see that he is just seemingly on fire in practice. So you won't see that. I got to think this defense is going to be better than it was last year. It was already pretty good. I was reading a number today. They were like 10th in DVOA or something like that. So that defense was better even analytically and statistically, that people thought. And it's better this year. And Davis is doing what he wants to out there. So I've got to be encouraged. I've said this. Well, Bill O'Brien used to say it, and we kind of stole it from him. We're not putting anybody in Canton. We're really not. But you know what? It's okay to be hopeful about Davis Mills as a quarterback. It's okay. It's okay if you were wrong about him. That's fine. Uh, And we won't know whether, you know, whatever. There are a lot of people that want to be right about, well, I was right because Davis is not that. We'll see how it goes. But it's okay to be hopeful about the guy you have in at quarterback this year because I think he's light years aware, uh, away from where he was last year. And that is all to give me hope and give us hope, and I see that completely. Well, like you said, stacking days, progress, just keep going up. Just keep getting yes. better. And we'll see where it takes us. And I think equally interesting is the development of Brevin Jordan and Nico Collins and these other guys who have been with him uh, along the way and new players as well. You know, we all want to see more of Philip Dorsett, who's been a little nicked up. Let's hope he can get 100% healthy out there. It's too bad about Mechie, but you're going to go through what you're going to go through. It's NFL training camp, and we've uh, we've got a lot of different situations. Obviously, Mechie's is much more serious, and we wish him the best, but everybody's working on improving their game, and we'll be back out there on the field tomorrow once again. 8 o'clock, Sean and Seth at 6. 8 o'clock, we'll have Greg Grissom on. We'll get to the rest of the program. We'll have Jerry Hughes on with DP Sidhu. we got a lot of good stuff tomorrow as it's a Friday practice at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Thank you, John McClain, for being on. John Harris, thank you, Chris Santiago, for producing. Have a great night. Hall of Fame game is next. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. The Houston Texans and Chevron have teamed up with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Houston. 
and the Houston Food Bank to create the Chevron Market Pantry at the Houston Texans Teen Club. The partnership provides food to the local community and is run by Teen Club members and Chevron volunteers. Together, we're helping make Houston a better place to call home. 